0: All right, so hello and welcome to the RPG Academy podcast. My name is Michael, and we're here today for another The Sample Adventures. This time we're taking a look at Fantasy Age, uh, and in particular, the Choosing Night adventure inside of that. I'm going to introduce the, or actually I'm let the players, introduce themselves, who they are, the characters they're playing, and then we're going to just kind of jump straight into things. Uh, so on my screen, I'm going to go left to right, so that starts with Michael. Michael, say hello to everyone, introduce yourself and your character,
1: please. Hello, everybody. My name is Michael. I go by he/him pronouns. I will be playing the role of uh, Sundu Yellowfang, uh, an orc warrior/slash laborer in the fantasy age setting. And that's about all I know. Uh, (laughs) Sundu was uh, is the son of a dock worker, and mother wants something better for him. So,
0: excellent. All right, and then next to you on my screen is Kaylee. Kaylee, hello, everyone. Tell them who you are and who you're playing, please.
2: Hi, I'm Kaylee. I use she, her pronouns, and my character today is Caitlin Mayfair. She is a young mage who has grown up around the village healer, and she is learning to be a healer and a surgeon. Excellent.
0: And then next to you is Remy. Remy, say hello to everyone.
3: Hi, everyone. Uh, I use he, him pronouns. So I'm playing Weldorf. He is uh, the son of some fishmongers from uh, Two Fall, and he's a thief. He, he likes to get into trouble, uh, you know, poke his nose where it doesn't always belong, but he is uh, somehow uh, manages to get away with uh, <laughs> most of the things he gets in trouble with.
0: But so we'll see if that catches up with you tonight. Mm-hmm. And then finally rounding out our cast is Jack. Jack, say hello, everyone. Tell us who you are and the character you're playing, please.
4: Hey, I'm Jack Benson. He, him, pronouns. I'm playing Halver Buckleberry, a halfling. Family is a merchant family. So works around the store, pretty good with people, likes to do the talking. His class is actually the Rogue class, which is going to be kind of fun. Excited to be out on our little uh, camping trip and uh, get to know my friends from the community.
0: Fantastic.
4: So I'm not too
0: worried about like equipment and gear. If you say you have something that makes sense for someone to have taken on a camping trip. I was like, I don't know if your sheet she doesn't say rope. I don't, you, you have rope, that kind of stuff. If there is something that doesn't make sense or is like outside, we might roll like a, you know, an intelligence check or some sort of check, just to sort of like a random luck sort of thing a preparedness sort of thing. But for the most part, if you, if you want to have it, you probably
2: have it. So my lightsaber is okay then. Good. Yes, absolutely. Because why <laughs> would you that have one else? I take that camping everywhere. It's, it's, it's so it's, easy to get firewood with. Right. Really? Yeah. Just- and
0: start <laughs> fires. Yeah. <laughs> So the name of this adventure is called Choosing Night in High Falls Swale. So that's how you said that. So Choosing Night is an ancient swale folk tradition where the youth on the verge of adulthood gather and camp out away from authority figures. It is a celebration and a rite of passage for the young adults in the area as they gather for a night of camping out around the base of the ruined tower of Dunmara. Denmara was a powerful sorceress who first settled this area, claiming the small island where you'll be camping out as her own, and built a tower to practice her magic. It became tradition that once a year, the common folk around the tower would gather and spend an evening, or in some cases, a weekend, like camping out in like a little fair celebration. Denmara herself would come out and walk amongst the people, and from these, she would choose people to join her retinue. So someone might be chosen to become part of her guard, maybe a servant, a cook, that kind of thing. Some people were chosen to become sorcerers themselves and begin studying under her. It was a great honor to be chosen. And while it was not supposed to be scornful to not be chosen, over time, that did start to bubble beneath the surface. And one year, um, a father who was very upset that his son was not chosen led a sort of rebellion, like a sneak attack. Actually, it was the next year. But basically, they ended up attacking Dunmara on her island. And even though she was able to fight off these attackers, she did herself die from the injuries she sustained. Sometime after this all happened, the choosing night celebration was somewhat reborn into the tradition you know now. And that is what brings our heroes together this early morning, exactly 100 years since the night that Dunmara fell. So we're going to start by, you kind of introduced yourself already, but think of it in this way. There's like 30, maybe 40 kids, young adults. You have gathered at the edge of the river that flows through High Falls and through the swale. There's a small island out kind of in the center. That is Damaras Mar- Island. There are about 20 to 25 canoes that are lined up. Each canoe has an adult or a volunteer of some sort who has agreed to ferry two of you over at a time. So there's, I mean, if you ever been to like a camp, like a kid's camp, that's basically what this is like when you're getting onto the bus, right? Everyone's gathering around, people are trying to see who all's there, trying to find their friends if they know them. So first of all, do any of you know any of the others of you? And this is totally your choice. And you could actually know each other. Or maybe you've heard rumors. Uh, you've heard like, you know, maybe um, I know some of you are a little bit more neer to well So maybe some of those exploits and escapades have, have Gone on throughout the crowd. So I'll start with you, Michael. Does your character
1: know any of these other characters? And it's totally up to you, yes or no? I'm gonna say no. And I say that because I feel like Sundu uh spends most of their time on the docks alongside their father, like helping to load ships, He's definitely working younger than he probably should be, and probably should be in school. Okay, but but chose to work instead. So the the nature of this is a little weird for Sundu. They're not used to being around so many kids. Okay, so many people their own age. Uh, it's mostly old, broken down <laughs> sailors and uh, people with less teeth. <laughs> Fair <laughs> and enough. Limbs, so, so
0: okay. Uh, give us a little bit of what your character looks like as well, if you want to describe them, because so these other people who don't know you are seeing you. Um, you know, orcs are a welcome part of this society, but they're kind mm-hmm. of rare, so it might be mm-hmm. something a little bit like, unusual to see one. So, what what do we actually see when we look upon S- uh, Sundu?
1: Uh, Sundu's got, Sundu, uh, yeah, Sundu's got uh, like pale. Technically, his skin's kind of pale green, uh, but he also has a bit of a rosy glow from just being outside all the time. Uh, you know, working the docks. Uh, his skin is a little bit tough, a little bit uh, of that salt air, right? The or the uh, that kind of sea air uh, for his age, he's tall and muscular, but not overly built. Uh, again, it's like more workers' muscle than show muscle, gotcha. right? So he's kind of a is a, a tall is kind of like a, a thicker kid, but he's not like overweight. He's just kind of you know workers' muscle, and yeah, uh, he's uh, got two. Uh, smallish fangs, they haven't grown to full size yet, two smallish tusks poking out from his lips, shaved sides, short hair, uh, wearing kind of a a leather. What he's wearing it looks like it's a mix of like basically heavy workers gear. He doesn't really have a lot of leisure time clothes. Uh, So (laughs) he just kind of showed up wearing what he would normally wear to work.
0: All right, totally fair. Alright then, Kaylee, we got Caitlin. Uh, is she familiar with any of these other characters?
2: Due to her mother's station in the village and in the area, she probably has seen everybody at some point or another. Okay. But overall, she's been very busy with her studies, so while she might know some of their names, they don't really interact a lot. Caitlin is pretty studious. She's the she's her mom's daughter and ever since her arcana awoken, to develop uh, as kind of a sidecar to her skills as a Shiregen. She's been very, very busy studying. So she actually looks at this camp thing as something that is more of a bother than anything else uh, because it's taking away from her work. Now, her mom got her to go basically by saying, when you put 30 kids together, somebody's going to get hurt. Somebody needs to take care of them. So that's why she's there. Caitlin is... I forgot she's... She's still young, about 15, 16 years old. She stands about five and a half feet tall, uh, long brown hair, usually pulled back into some sort of braid, uh, is currently wearing like a blue gown with ivory ivory accents, and she sometimes has on like a rough canvas, almost apron over the top of it that has some rust-colored stains on it in places. But she only uses that when she's actually working.
0: All right. Fair enough. And then Remy.
3: Well, um, I don't think I know anyone directly, but uh, it's quite possible that uh, everyone else might have heard about me. Like, like I say, I tend to get into trouble, and uh, my parents don't really like that, but they, they're they pretty well respected in the community. And, you know, what? if I can't talk myself out of things, they tend to uh, get me out of trouble because of our status within the community is, is you know, Uh, One of the major fishmongers in the two falls. So, you know, I'm sure there's been stories going about, you know, about uh, my exploits. So, no one knows me directly, but definitely they've heard the story. So, if they hear my name, they might go, Oh, I know you. Excellent. Right. Uh, So, I'm pretty, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, I'm a pretty wiry uh, individual, Uh, you know, relatively tall for my age, uh, but very, very rail thin. You know, and uh, just wearing some some typical it's it's not commoners clothes or anything, uh, but it's definitely more work clothes like, you know, stuff that, uh, you know, it's not the finery of, uh, you know, that that I could be wearing. But, uh, you know, I'm really taking this to, you know, this is going to be a fun adventure right on this island. Yeah. Uh, I'm looking forward to meeting a whole bunch of people, maybe getting in a little bit of trouble. So we'll see.
0: Excellent. All right. And then finally about Halliver Buckleberry. Yep. So
4: <clears throat> Halliver's um, halfling. So shorter in stature than most of you kind of uh, still trying to fit into his uh, body and his, his style. He definitely mimics a lot what he sees from his family. So his, his, his parents and his siblings, older and younger um, kind of a, sturdy walk about um when he's when he's wandering the the store that his parents run he's definitely you know when 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 he hears weldorf's name he's like oh yeah that one's been trouble in the store before and yeah we know the fish the family and and they've kind of smoothed over the the problems i suspect our family knows the uh the mayfair family pretty well just in terms of you know, the merchants are are gonna be aware of <clears throat> scenarios and and pointing people to, hey, there's there's this family that takes care of people who are injured. We certainly know the the people that work the docks. So I probably have seen Dunu, but I don't know him. Um so I'm from I'm and, and because I work the store with my parents, I'm familiar with a lot of the more probably the adults than the kids. Sure. So when when I hear a last name, I'll say, Oh, you're the you're the so and so's kid or yeah, okay, I know your family. Oh, I really like them. Or ooh, I better not talk to that one, that kind of thing. Right.
0: All right. So as you are continuing to sort of gather up and get ready to get in the canoes, a, uh, an older female named Pulva, if you work anywhere near the dock, so uh, Sundu probably would definitely be familiar with her. Um, she pretty much runs like the, the boats, the, the fisheries, everything that goes through the rivers goes through her. She's like 107 years old and she still could kick the crap out of just about everybody. Uh, so we've got a very sort of, soured uh, look on her face, but she's, you know, that classic old woman heart of gold, but don't, you know, don't mess with it. She'll make you go get your own switch uh, for her to correct you if you get, in, get a, in her, on her bad side. So she goes through and she's got this giant bag and she just goes to each kid and each kid's supposed to reach in and pull out a small stone. And there are two different color stones that match up. And this is basically who you're going to ride in the canoe across with. So it's like a randomized you don't get to pick your own seat, sort of situation. So, uh, Sundu, you are paired up with a young woman named Para. And um, she is one of the wealthy, the daughter of one of the wealthiest families in this whale. So, you might be familiar with her for that reason alone. She is not a halfling. She's a human, but she is small and petite. Uh, definitely think like, well, I don't, I don't spoil TV show, but definitely think of um, young, wealthy, entitled. Uh, she just sort of carries herself with that air. You also mm-hmm. see that she is carrying almost no supplies with her, so she okay. doesn't. She is woefully unprepared uh, n- to be camping out overnight. It seems. Uh,
1: Sundu is also carrying very little in the way of supplies. <laughs> uh, I think maybe a small pack with some like salt, tack, and you know, a little bit of food and a single blanket. That's
4: about it. No, no supplies for two very different reasons. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And you said uh, her name was Para? Para.
0: And so um, they basically lead you. It's your turn to get into the canoes. And she just sort of looks at you like expecting you to do something.
1: Sundu kind of ignores her and picks up the oars. Or picks up (laughs) an oar, I should say. And starts rowing. (laughs) Okay. Well, there's someone in the canoe to row for you.
0: Uh, So you just basically two passengers per. So if you get in and start rowing, she's going to... she uh, at first again she's clearly waiting for you to like help her into the boat in some way. Uh you've already indicated that you weren't going to do that. You're just going to get in the boat uh, because either you don't care or don't understand the the oh, niceties. Certainly,
1: you know, in in my world you get in the boat when you want to get <laughs> in the boat. If you want to like walk down the street, you walk down the street yourself. If you need to pick something up, you pick it up yourself. So Sundu is going to get put his meager possessions Uh, his bag of salt tack and rations and uh, a single blanket in the, in the canoe, then step down to the canoe and immediately pick up an oar because that's what you do.
0: All right. So um, within a few moments, you know, your boat is going to, or your canoe is going to slowly start to separate itself from the dock. So Para is going to be forced. She's actually going to jump into the boat um, narrowly, um, you know, falling into the water landing on her hands and knees and she glares at you. If she could shoot laser beams, if she was an X-Men, she would be shooting you with the laser beams and out of her eyes right
1: now. Soon, <laughs> just kind of looks to the adult in the boat for a moment. Yeah. And then, like, looks around and, uh, pass, like, looks to hand her his oar. <laughs> I, so if you want to know, you can. I'm sorry.
0: So the, the adult will, will take both of the oars and, and begin rowing for you. Uh, it's about a 20 to 25 minute um, ride across. Oh. And technically all this is going to be happening at the same time. So you're all basically going on mass, but I'm going to do them one at a time.
1: In the awkward quiet, uh, Sundu reaches down into his bag of, of rations, pulls out a piece of hard tack, starts chewing on it and like just looking around. It's not used to not doing something. <laughs> And then uh, looks at his hand and says, uh, here, you, you, would you like some?
0: Um, so she'll she'll take it and she'll put it to her mouth. And then as she takes a bite, she'll spit it out. What is this? Uh, it's, it's food. No, it's not. I've had food. This is not food. Uh, if you could just give it back then, because I'll eat it. So she'll just hold her hand off the side of the canoe
1: and dump it into the river. And soon do, his eyes will get really wide. And then he's going to throw her out of the canoe. <laughs> all right. So the
0: adult is going to try to stop you. But if you would like to do this, the, the, the adult is in no way, shape, or oh, form the going to be able busy, to stop you. He's
1: rowing. I assume that yeah. i have her out of the boat by the time she he can drop the oars. So,
0: yeah. All right. So we're going to just, again, all this is happening at the same time. So we will, we will move on, but we will circle back to that. All right. All right. So Caitlin... You are paired up with Wooldra, and Wooldra is the only dwarf in the entire area that is participating. She is very talkative, and within the moments, just like two minutes before you get into the canoe, you get basically her entire life story. She doesn't even have to be here. Like, her family doesn't follow this tradition, but she was so excited about getting the chance to meet other kids that she forced her parents to let her participate and she goes off all the things she's wants to do. We're going to go swimming. We're going to climb the tower. We're going to pick blackberries. We're going to have a campfire. And she's just non-top talking. But that sort of, even though it's a bit annoying, it's the energy is so positive that you can't help but kind of like her a little bit. At least I think that. Caitlin, obviously you have your own response. So how do you react to Woldra?
2: Uh, Ka- so Caitlin uh, got into the the canoe with several large packs of things there is like a pack with a tent and a bedroll and spare clothes there's another pack with food and supplies uh then there's also a third pack that has her shirajan supplies so her healer supplies you know splints stuff like that uh and as soon as she settles into the canoe she pulls out a book and starts reading and that's when Waldra gets in and starts talking and talking and talking and like Caitlin kind of pl- tries one of the things that normally works on people. And she's got long brown hair that's normally pulled back in a braid, but like she lets her bangs fall in front of her eyes. It uh, just kind of like, she's not a very tall girl. So she kind of just shrinks down a little bit. Like I'm reading, I'm reading, I'm reading, but doesn't have the heart to interrupt Waldra. And by the end of the trip, she's actually like making like mm-hmm noises and Oh, well that's pleasant. Uh Uh-huh, and actually starting to, like, doesn't get any reading done, but now knows everything about this dwarf that she doesn't really need to know. So,
0: Woldra is not picking up on any of these social cues and just continues to talk the entire time. She's not going to, like, interrupt you, she won't touch you or anything like that, but she's just going to keep talking excitedly about how this is going to be the greatest night, she can't wait for it, and all all the fun things that she's going to do. Yep. All right, so you're in your canoe and you're heading off. All right, so... Weldorf, there's actually a little bit of a um, hubbubaloo that happens. You are actually supposed to be paired up with Delta Mason. And this is a name you probably would be familiar with. Um, another one of the wealthier um, families in the Two Falls area. She is the the daughter of the most prominent Mason. And she is a twin. She has a twin brother named Cromar. So you have Delta and Cromar. And she is very Very beautiful for a human woman, Uh, you know, just classically beautiful, very social. She's like, see, like she's looking everybody in the eye. She's smiling. She's waving maybe a, a bigger smile to certain people, maybe a bigger wave to certain people where Cromar is a bit taller, has a little bit more of a, of a dull sort of face, but he is standing over her. So not menacingly, but like protectively. And every time she smiles at someone a little bit too long or waves a little bit too long, he gives them a glower until they turn away and they did not get put in the same boat. And he is refusing to allow her to go with anyone but himself. So you are at the edge of the canoe about to get in. She's already gotten in and Cromar's about to step in because this is he's not going to let anyone else but him ride with her. So how would you respond to that?
3: Oh, um, Cromar, isn't it? Yes. Yes. Uh well I, I think that the whole process of of how we're paired is uh you know it's already determined, and uh, um, I've been selected to uh, go with your sister now I'm not sure you know it's like I, I hear you're really attached to your sister right but uh we're we're just going over to the island I, I don't think you have to worry about anything trust me i'm i'm perfect gentleman nothing will happen you know and there's adults in the canoe you
0: know don't you don't have to worry uh things will be fine so this sounds like you're trying to are you trying to persuade or is this a deception are you lying and you absolutely have intentions or is this like the truth you're just trying to convince Cromer that you don't I, i'm not sure myself
3: yet but okay. uh I I, I I guess i'm trying to persuade at the moment all right so we'll make this it de- de- no I'll, I'll, I'll deceive him right Okay, cause, so cause I'm, I'm thinking maybe, you know, she's, she is kind of attractive. Uh, she, so, she is very beautiful. Yeah, so I, I will try and deceive him.
0: Uh, so this will be a communication deception roll. So you're going to roll oh, okay. 3d6 and add your communication score and your deception if you have it. Yeah. And the target number is going to be 11. Or it's not the brightest bulb.
3: So I have 11 on the roll. 11. And, yep. and then you add your like, so I, ha- I do have deception. So I would add that to my roll. Yes, essentially. So, so I have twelve, and communication is one of my primary skills as well. So, do, do I add anything for that as well? Yeah, you should
0: have a score, I believe, for your if uh, it's. Guess somebody might want to help me. I think
3: it's. Um, oh yeah, it's, it's it's just the the score, right? So it yeah. would be a one. Yeah. And deception have, does it, that add an extra one? Yes. It gives you a pl- okay. I've, so then, yeah, I, I got focus two, gives so. you a plus two actually. Oh, yeah. does focus give you a plus two? Then so that's uh, eleven. That's fourteen. Fourteen.
0: Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, so you are not necessarily talking circles around Cromar and, you know, but but you're just trying to be very nice and cordial and convincing that this is is the way it's supposed to work. And he doesn't really seem to want to give in. Like, he's very, very getting aggressive. And right about the time that you think things might be getting to the point where it might come to fisticuffs, another young man intervenes. Uh, You might have been familiar. His name is Revast. And if there is anyone in the area that has a, a reputation as equal for mischief as Waldorf, it's Revast. And he steps in and he starts adding to your um, deception. It's sort of throwing in like some, yes yeah, and of K's. And, and at some point, he actually somehow manages to get your stone and Cromar's stone from him. And you, he switches them around a couple of times. So by the time this is over, Cromar is standing there talking to Revast. You're already in the canoe with uh, the sister Delta and you're like 10 feet from the dock. And then Cromar, he, he just like, not quite bells in rage, but he's like shaking in frustration.
3: And, and I shout out, things will be fine. Don't worry. And then I, I I turn to to Delta and I'm like, give her a wink.
0: Oh, she gives you a very big smile. And she'll actually hold out your hand so that you can take it. And then she will give it a, just a little squeeze, maybe a little longer than necessary. Okay. And so finally we have Jack. So, haliver you're actually paired up with revast so again you probably are familiar he's oh, yeah. again just about as good at mischief making as uh waldorf is
4: as with waldorf i waldorf i'm familiar with revast he's probably been a bit of trouble in the store from time to time um, oh, of course but i don't particularly uh haliver the halfling doesn't have much uh, you know he's probably got a pack Uh, well stocked you know it's probably a fresh backpack from the store Um, his parents want to make sure that he's uh, well taken care of it's it's probably pretty full Um, you know sleeping bag and and other gear that one might need he does have have his trusty trusty but rusty knife that he uh, adventures with uh, you know or he imagines that he adventures with (laughs) excellent All right, so everyone is
0: basically getting into the boats and you're heading across. Again, there's roughly 30 to 40 young adults, uh, yourselves included. And about the time that Para gets thrown into the water, um, a, a cry actually erupts from the boats further to the north, closest to the falls. It appears that a large log has become dislodged from the bank and because of the falls and the, the the swiftness of the river is coming into towards the boats at a very rapid pace, and it appears that it's actually going to hit the boat that uh, Weldorf is in. So Weldorf and um, Delta, the the this log is just careening down the river. the The other canoers are basically they're sort of trying to paddle out of the way, but the person who's paddling your boat just kind of panics and just freezes and. Unless you do something, this log is just going to crash straight into your canoe. What would you like to do?
3: Well, I'm going to try to take the oars from uh, the adult and maneuver us out of the way. All right.
0: So All it's right. easy if enough to not, take them from their hand because they're not really paying attention. Yeah. So this is a navigation roll? Uh, so what's the, the skill otherwise? I believe it is intelligence. So intelligence okay. navigation.
3: So I rolled 10 on the die.
0: and, and that's you improving. have any... Bonuses or pluses for intelligence? Uh, just, that's, that's, that's with my plus
3: one for intelligence. So I rolled a nine plus one.
0: Okay. So that is not actually going to be enough. So this log is going to smack straight into the side of your canoe, which flips you over as well. So now there are four people in the river. Uh, you don't take any damage from this other than all of your gear and all your stuff gets wet. And you better believe that Cromar is going to have something to say about the fact that his sister got put in the water. Mm-hmm. All right, but we're going to jump back over to Sundu. So while this is going on with the log, you are still dealing with Para. She is like sputtering and calling out. You're not sure if she can swim. She's doing sort of a a variation of like a doggy paddle, but she's certainly not like she doesn't look like she's comfortable in the water. Uh, The adult is trying to hold out the oar to her so that she can grab a hold, but she's getting pulled downriver so quickly that she can't grab
1: it. (sighs) we will leap in to get her out of the water. All right.
0: So you're going to dive in after her. So this yes. probably, I'm going to say, is maybe a dex. Well, technically swimming is a constitution. So let's, uh, let's have right. you make a constitution swimming check to see if you can get to her before she gets downriver.
2: So selfless. Right. What a hero.
1: All right. My con is a three.
2: Remember, if you get doubles, you also generate stunt points.
1: Oh, yeah. And I generated a stunt point.
2: Yes.
0: So this would be an exploration stunt. So you, hopefully you, I sent you the, the list. You should yeah, have I'm kind of the menu of the things. right now.
1: Just a second. We're going to do with a flourish.
0: Oh, yes. Excellent. This, this is beautifully well done. So you clearly, I mean, you work around the docks, right? So you uh, probably so spend I, a lot of time
1: on the water. And instead of jumping into the water, I think what we're going to do is have soon as kind of run to the other side of the canoe, like past the adult who's messing with the oar, like, and balance himself on the edges of the boat and just kind of lean down with a, a free arm. And much like you would like scoop something out of the water that maybe fell off the dock before it could get swept away by the tide. Uh, he like kind of just pulls her up into the boat.
0: Okay. So, again, drowned rat, like her hair, which is very long and was like in this really beautiful braid. It has come loose and it's just, uh, you know, all over her head. It, she looks awful. Her clothing is like probably like silk, completely unprepared. It's just all but ruined. She looks awful. And as you pick her up, she actually will do that where she like spits out a stream of water and it goes right into your face.
1: Uh, and as he sets her into the boat, uh, Sunda just says, dry off, you'll catch cold.
0: <laughs> if if the heat of her intensity could dry her clothes, she would already be dry. So now we have Weldorf and um, Ravast. and uh, your uh, canoe has tipped over. You can just basically swim to another canoe. So other than getting wet, nothing really. Or so you're not Ravast. That's the uh, uh, Delta. So no. she may not be able to swim. Let's we'll see how well she swims. She might be able to swim better than you. I don't know. Yeah, she swims very well. So yeah, so she's able to quickly swim to another boat and gets hauled in. Um, is there a particular boat you want to aim for? Maybe Cromars? Maybe Halivers? I'm going to aim for Halivers.
3: I, I'm oh. assuming his canoe is is, is close to, to where we were. So.
0: so yeah, so they can haul you in easily enough. So other than maybe a little bit of embarrassment, a little bit getting wet, there's no harm, no foul to this. Okay. Um, otherwise, the canoe trip across basically happens without incident and you are dropped off at the docks of this small island and the canoes are going back with them so you are essentially trapped on this island unless you're willing to swim which would be possible but it would be difficult so uh, soon do could probably make that swim a couple of the others might be able to but certainly not everyone on this island would be able to swim off if that became necessary uh, the boats will be back to pick you up tomorrow not Basically, around the same time in the morning you are now, so let's say like 10 a.m. or so, you should be picked up. So, once you arrive at the island, Cromar is going to come over and grab his sister, kind of sweep her into his arms, and then lead her further into the island before anyone can really do much else with uh, him or them.
2: I like to think that Caitlin was like putting her packs together, starting to pick everything up, uh, when those two kind of rushed up to each other. Uh, and Sundu's there, and as they run off, she just kind of looks over at Sundu and <clears throat> comments, I hope that they understand that they shouldn't be together if they're related, right? There's a whole genetic problem.
1: Sundu kind of looks like, does one of those looks like there's some, definitely some confusion on Sundu's face. The puppy dog, Br- like, what?
2: It, it's a, it, you know what? Never mind. Uh, uh, hi. Hi. Uh, <laughs> sorry you had to deal with that
1: she's just cargo
2: i mean she's attractive cargo
1: and she's wet sopping, <laughs> messy cargo she'll dry speaking of drying um uh, i'm gonna start
3: a fire i'm gonna look for for some stuff and light a fire on the beach because uh you know i i want to get dry i'm still a bit damp from uh whole thing i have a couple of torches in my pack which uh aren't going to be usable unless i can try them out so
0: okay so the island is pretty small so there you know there is some exploring the island that you might do today but it's not going to take you more than like half an hour 45 minutes at most to get from any one point to any other point on the island the the area where you're dropped off is basically it's a dock that is built but there is you know sandy shoreline beach uh, on either side that you could use Uh, once you go inland just a few moments you basically get to where the camp is set up there's really no difference between any of the campsites other than some are closer to the Tower than than others there is um, an area of the the island called Watcher's Hill and it is the highest point on the island it's slightly elevated compared to the rest of it there is a bit of like a ring of wood and brushland that you have to go through to get to it you know it's very shallow but you do have to go through a little bit of forest Uh, there's a lot of wild berries that grow around that area and that's one of the activities that often happens people pick the wild berries sometimes it gets mixed with alcohol sometimes people try to make their own alcohol out of it Uh, but watcher's hill is a common place for lovers to meet uh, maybe like a dalliance or a romance to be started it's also a place where if any um Fisticuffs are to happen. Any sort of duel or fight, usually it happens like I will meet you on, you know, Watchers Hill uh, at noon, type of a thing. There's Dunmaras Tower itself, which at this point is mostly rubble. Uh, It has fallen and collapsed. There's very few stones on top of each other. Now, when she was killed, they actually buried her in a, a tomb beneath the tower itself. So there's a very thick iron grate that you know, would basically lead down to where the, the the sub basements would be. And it has also been covered with rocks, so there's no easy access to it. It's something that often people say that they're going to go into there, but as, to this point, no one has ever actually been able to move the rocks or, you know, get through the iron gate to it. There's the diving cliffs. This is the opposite side of where you're dropped off, Um, and there are a few rocks that you can climb up and then dive into the water. It's very deep on the other side, and it's kind of sheltered, so it's fairly calm, so there's a lot of diving and swimming stuff that will uh, usually happen there, and those other than just like hanging out, those are basically the activities you have to choose from today on how you want to spend your day. There is a central ring for a bonfire. Uh, There are a couple packs of supplies that have been left. This is very for those like um para who don't really prepare they, they it's not enough for everybody but there's like a couple packs of a couple canteens a little bit of water that kind of thing that they're just there for everybody but no firewood has been uh chopped for anybody so if anybody wants a fire they either got to chop their own or usually there's like a central bonfire everyone kind of contributes to uh
1: michael so, fresh water or salt water
0: uh fresh water all right. So Weldorf, so again, I just, so you can certainly build a fire here, but there is like a place to build a fire if you want to move into inland a little bit first.
3: Well, how well do we know the island? Like, you know, have our parents told us well? Oh, you no, know, there's a lot of camp. Okay. So if we yeah, know, yeah. then yeah, I, I might not build a campfire right on the island. I might go to one of the campsites. It makes okay. more sense.
0: Yep. So again, there's no firewood. You, you easily could, you know, procure enough small deadfalls, leaves, twigs to, to start building a fire. Some of the other kids, and there's lots of kids here that are not named, but some of them are more industrious than others. So there are some that are going straight to building firewood. There are some that are going straight to picking berries. There's a couple that are probably breaking off in twos to get into Watcher's Hill. Definitely some people going swimming. So other than uh, Waldorf, who's currently just trying to drive themselves, is there any activity anyone wants to do? And over the course of the day, you can do any and all of them, but is there anything in particular you want to start with? I'll start with you, Halliver. What are what are you doing your with your morning?
4: Yeah, um, I think going and picking some wild berries for uh and, and not just for myself, but you know, pick a passel of berries to uh to bring back to uh to share over. I guess you said this is morning, maybe to share for snack before lunch or something to that effect. Um maybe he's thinking he's being a little industrious and uh, you know could this be a could this be a business that his parents get you know that he his parents let him get into or something like that but for today it's just you know for sharing
0: nice so while you're picking berries uh Rivast is actually going to join you as well and um, he sort of shares conspiratorially he opens his pack and you can see that he's got a couple bottles of clear alcohol and he uh, he's like if you pick enough berries i think we can make some wine with this
4: Rivast you you, you know that that's not exactly how this works right
0: oh it is exactly how it's going to work
4: well i mean <laughs> you'll make berry flavored hooch that's right. what you're looking for
0: that's the plan yeah uh,
4: uh, oh okay revest um that sounds like a great idea so i'll happily go along with uh picking some berries and you know letting him squeeze some into his uh into his hooch excellent
0: all right, so we'll jump over to Caitlin. How are you spending your morning?
2: Uh, Caitlin probably goes and sets up a tent uh, and kind of or- gets her area organized. And once the fire is built, she helps grab, like, there's, since people come here every year, there are different places where there are logs set up, where, you know, people stumps that have been so- sawn clean okay. so people can use them as seats and she helps kind of gather that up to kind of get a big circle around the uh, around the fire that was being built and so she's just kind of busy setting up her camp helping set up the normal camp while everybody else is running around okay excellent
0: um i think um i think woldra is just she feels connected to you so she's going to be helping you and she's going to be talking the entire time <laughs> <laughs> But she's also very helpful.
2: Well, yeah, Caitlin will definitely use her as a, can you go grab that? Go over there, grab that. This looks really heavy. Can you help me? That kind of thing.
1: Okay. All right. What about Sundu? Sundu is kind of Sundu kind of falls into normal behavior. So Sundu realizes there's work to be done, so starts doing the work, like starts going collecting firewood and placing firewood at various campsites that you can, you know, within walking distance. Uh, you know, helping people with some of their stuff, like, you know, quietly just kind of taking on the work. The work is comforting. This whole situation is really uncomfortable for Sundu as again, other kids camping uh, um, work is familiar.
0: Excellent. All right. So then we'll cut back over to Waldorf. So you've got a, a small fire built uh you're starting to dry yourself um para has come over she's also warming herself by your fire as well uh and she's sort of talking sassy towards sundu nothing like offensive but just like you know calling him a big oaf can you believe how he treated me like that but you're getting the sense that maybe there's even a little bit of like maybe admiration buried in there too like no one ever treats her poorly so someone finally not really giving a crap it's kind of intriguing to her
3: well you know um you put out a certain air, right? Uh, and, you know, we, we kind of like you know, we're always on eggshells around you. But uh, you know, I, I, I guess this sundu that you're, you, you know, that that was in the canoe with you, he obviously doesn't know you, and that, that's probably a good thing, right? You know, he probably puts you a little bit in your your. I don't want to say put you place, but, uh, he put you in your place, but he puts <laughs> you in your place.
0: So she continues to look over at Sundu as he's doing his work. Uh, and after a while, she'll focus more on just like warming herself. And she's starting to dry out, uh, trying, to, trying to get her hair back into some sort of semblance of the way it was fixed before. But it's not, not going to go back into that elaborate braid uh, without a, a good brush and probably a couple people to help. After you there... warm yourself, is there anything else you want to do, Waldorf?
3: Well, um, let's see. I got uh, some fishing tackle you know, we're going to, we're going to have to have a meal later on. Um, so I'm going to go back to the water's edge. Now I'm a bit drier. I'm bringing my stuff with me though. So it's like only once everything is dry enough, yeah, yeah. then I'll leave. I'm not, I, I'm not trusting it. I wouldn't trust myself with, <laughs> you know, so I'm not trusting anyone else. So I'm going to bring all my stuff and go, go fishing on the edge. If anyone wants to, Hey, does anyone want to come fishing with me? Does anyone know how to fish? Hmm. You know, I could show you how um, there's definitely Certainly. several
0: of the uh, unnamed massive kids who would be interested. And in, probably some of them are fishermen as well and may have brought their own tackle. So there'll be, there'll be a, a selection of you out there fishing if you would like. Sundu's
1: ears perk up at hearing somebody mentioning fishing. And uh, Sundu will go back to his, again, meager belongings and uh, pick up his fishing spear. And kind of head out. He will start waiting alongside the dock. And looking in the water, you know, trying to spear a fish for dinner.
0: Okay. So after, you know, 20 minutes, half hour of fishing, several of you have caught some. There's definitely enough to start sharing. Probably not enough to like feed everyone, but with other people having brought food, it's enough to probably prepare a very nice lunch to supplement the things that people have brought. If everyone's willing to share, um, everybody contributes a little bit to, to a few of the fish but about the time that you're coming out delta and cromar start to approach weldorf and it looks very clear like um delta is trying to like hold cromar back like you know kind of pulling on him a little bit trying to keep him from getting involved but he's walking very much straight towards weldorf uh in a very aggressive manner i
3: get in a defensive posture right i'm like uh the- cromar you know it's like that what happened over in the canoe that's that's not my fault it would that's not have happened accident. if i was in the boat oh yeah I'm, I'm sure it wouldn't have happened if you were in the boat uh no 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 this is like it's a complete accident right you know
0: just just let it be so he's not like gonna hit you but he's he's very much trying to you know his physical presence of he doesn't want you to to get around his sister anymore He doesn't quite say that, but it's very clear that that's what his body language is showing. And Delta looks embarrassed, like her face is all flushed. She keeps saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. She's trying to pull him back away. But he's waiting for you to say or do something to like sort of end this either one way or the other.
3: You know, I've got a set of dice here. Do you mind? We we could settle this with a little uh, bit of a roll. If I, you know, we, we, we roll a couple of dice and if I win the, the dice competition, you, you just, you know, forget this whole thing, right? Blow it over. No problem. And uh, if you win, then, uh, you know, I, I won't uh, have anything to do with Delta anymore, at least for this trip. Can't promise anything in the future. But what he, do you say?
0: He holds out his hand and I get my dice out. All right. Let's let's roll off. Again, he's holding out his hand for the dice. (laughs) Yep.
3: Give him the dice, and then he's probably going to chuck (laughs) them.
0: He's actually going to like squeeze them like walnuts and break them. (laughs) They just crack. They probably Turn to dust, but he's going to at least crack one of them really hard, and then he's just going to drop them at your feet.
3: You know, that's not very nice. Uh, I don't know why you do such a thing. You know, did you, you fall out of the wrong side of the crib or something? He looks confused by that. Nice. Yeah, I kind stay of stay away from my sister. Way. You should probably stay away from your sister as well.
0: Never. <laughs> okay. Okay. So you know, you, she you, will you, finally you... get him pulled away, uh, away from you. And again, she's like, as they're walking, she's looking back. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. But uh, doing everything she can to keep him moving away. It's
3: fine. It's fine.
0: So the rest of the morning will basically pass. Um, again, everyone who wants to contribute to like a big lunch, you can. Several Again, several people are contributing different things. Revast has not yet shared his berry-flavored hooch at this point. You have a film that's more of a nighttime activity. Uh, and then, all, you know, the kids are circling around. Some people who are swimming have now gone to explore the woodland. Some people who are uh, on Watch Hill have started to check out Dunmar's Tower. So just throughout the day, people are going to mingle and, and wander around to different sections. Um, this is a very self led portion. So if there's anything anyone wants to do, let me know. Otherwise, we are going to jump time a little bit and get towards evening.
1: Uh, hmm. Sundu will continue kind of working around the camps and then kind start seeing all the other kids doing kind of fun stuff, things that would be considered fun. Right. And probably will wander off to maybe take a swim and sit on the beach for a little bit and not work and try to adjust to how weird that feels. (laughs) It feels very good, but it also feels like there's that nagging feeling of guilt. Like there's, I should be working. There's something I should be doing.
0: Oh, I I know that anxiety very well. Um, Are you going to go swimming in like the swimming area where most people go, or do you want to swim in the other areas? Like it's, it's, it's pretty much safe unless you go too far out, but there is a place that's like the swimming hole.
1: I think what you what you'll find is that he'll uh, Sundu will go like kind of away from everybody at first and kind of just swim a bit, and then kind of swim up to the group and kind of be on the outskirts of the group, like wants to be part of what's happening but isn't quite sure how. Right, um, how to be a kid, I guess.
4: Mm,
1: gotcha. um, and after doing that for a little while, we'll we'll get out of the water and then kind of just lay on the beach. Lay on the shore, just kind of being quiet and not doing anything.
4: All right. I think Halliver he he knows a bunch of these kids from the neighborhood. He may be friendly with some of them. For some reason, he's particularly keen on talking to the the daughter of the baker, and kind of you know, for lack of any other good ability, I mean, he is a good talker but um, it's more of the deception side of things than the uh, chatting up girls side of things. He, he's just like, hey, can we, is there some way we can make some bread or something for dinner tonight? That'd be really cool. Maybe, uh, I don't know if your parents taught you any ways to, to make bread over campfires or something like that. It'd be really huh. nice if we could do that.
0: I mean, I'm going to need some like flour or something that we could use, um, you know, like, as the base, I don't know crap about baking but this person does so if, if there's some of that around and absolutely she they would or they would love to
4: make some bread flour yeast sugar salt <laughs> take your pick on flavors but absolutely just, did anyone bring them yeah, yeah so probably in the supplies there there people weren't thinking that we were going to be baking so there's going to be like quick bread kind of supplies okay um, so maybe haliver and and this uh, girl whose name is um melisandra um wait a minute i just heard that in another whatever her name is melisandra uh, okay. <laughs> she was in at some other podcast is she wearing red she's wearing red yes
1: <laughs> on the plus side you'll have no problem starting fires yes this is true <laughs>
4: um you know we kind of look through the the she's she's game looks when we look through the supplies and we find supplies for some quick breads maybe that we could do the um if we think modern days like the, uh, the tin can bread that you would do in uh, Cub Scouts or Boy Scout camps or something like that, but a simple, a simple quick bread that uh, we can figure out.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, so you're working on bread. Asundu is enjoying not working, but also being anxious by the fact that he's not working. I will note that Para continues to sort of like be in your presence and is watching you as you are swimming. Uh, She's found a comb. Someone has loaned her one, and she's starting to brush out her hair.
4: And it's not just, of course, making bread. It's also talking to Melisandre. Of course.
0: Just just a good excuse to to continue the conversation. So, again, the the day will continue. If there's anything else in particular anybody wants to do, let me know. Otherwise, we're going to kind of jump towards um, early evening. I think that's the
2: camp camp set up. Caitlin is also going to go down by the watering hole uh, with the book that she was reading all the way over here. But this time she's found the trick as Waldra follows her. She starts reading to Waldra and trying to teach her things. Oh, yeah. Waldra does not want to you know, be taught things. Well, and that's exactly what Caitlin discovers and <laughs> leans into heavily. Oh,
0: yeah. yeah. So, so Waldra will, will politely stay for a few moments, but then find something else to do and just make, make her way
2: somewhere else, giving you a
0: little bit of peace.
2: And that, and that's perfectly acceptable. So then Caitlin just settles down with a happy sigh on the beach, listening to all the kids playing and splashing. And she's just there with her book, relaxing. Right. Give me a perception.
0: Give me a perception scene.
2: So triple four, that's 12 plus two is 14 with four stunt points.
0: Okay. 14 four okay. stunt points there's a moment where you thought woldra had returned. Like you just, you know, there was something in the, the corner of your eye. So you look over and there's a shadow uh, along the ground that you can't make sense of where it came from. Like you don't see anything that would be casting that shadow. And so when you look around to see what's casting the shadow, the shadow just seems to like fade. It's just like, it's not like obviously like the shadow sucked into the ground. But before you realize what it even is, it's just gone. Thanks for listening to the RPG Academy podcast. We do this show out of love for the hobby and the desire to be ambassadors, welcoming more people into this community. All of our website content will always be free to use and utilize, but there are expenses related to the show. And if you enjoy what we do here, then please consider supporting us in some way. You can do so as simply as rating or reviewing us on iTunes or your podcatcher of choice. If you're going to purchase anything through Amazon or RPG, consider using our affiliate links first, and then we'll get a small percentage sent back to us. You can do a single direct donation through PayPal using the paypal.me slash the RPG Academy. Or consider joining our Patreon campaign at patreon.com slash the RPG Academy. And for a donation as low as $1 a month, you'll get access to lots of extra goodies, including bonus minisodes, invites to monthly one-shot games, one-sheet adventures, and more. Please consider following us on Twitter and Facebook, or join our Discord, where we like to try to keep the conversation going with our fans as best we can, and are always looking to talk and chat more. Or do none of that. Just continue to listen and enjoy our show. Because honestly, that's enough. Thanks, and remember, if you're having fun, you're doing it right. We'll see you next time.